0: Hello and welcome to the second tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Jamal Lowe to my Andre Ayu. It's Justin Peach.
2: Good day to you, Ryan. How are you, Justin? I'm I'm very good. A bit tired. Went out on my bike today, just before the podcast. So how far did you go? I think only about fifteen miles. I'm a bit I'm a bit sore, which I won't go into detail. Oh, detail okay on. then.
0: <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> <laughs> someone's had a good weekend and um, with us on the show t- <laughs> with us on the show today is Tom Phillips from the Cardiff podcast view from the Ninian Tom how's it going
3: not bad at all mate not bad at all
0: lovely also here is Tom Morgan from the YouTube channel Total Swans TV Tom are you all right
1: all right probably some's about, uh, about as good as I'm doing I've had Fair. better Sundays as I said but yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm good I'm good thanks guys <laughs> That's
0: all right. You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. We're going to run through all the games in the championship from the past weekend, talk about some of the news from the past week, and then finish off with Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Now, in my infinite wisdom, it only occurred to me before recording that both of our guests here today have got the same first name, and me saying Tom could get a bit confusing. So for the purpose of this episode, are you both fine with me calling you Cardiff Tom and Swansea Tom?
1: Yeah, that's fine.
3: Yeah, I've been called
0: worse, that's why. Yeah, definitely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely by uh, opposition fans anyway. But yeah, we'll go go with Cardiff, Tom, and Swansea, Tom.
0: Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Let's talk about the South Wales derby. Cardiff v Swansea on Saturday evening. A massive game because, of course, it's a derby. Both set of fans aren't particularly keen on each other. But also a must-win game for both sides for different reasons. And it was Cardiff who came out as the 1-0 winners after Aidan Flint's diving header in the first half. Cardiff, Tom. What a win. What did you make of the game?
3: It, it was exactly how I expected it to be, like us having zero of the ball. And if we were ever going to win the game, it was going to be a smash and grab. And that's exactly what it was. Like, we, we just tend to throw the ball into the area and cause problems. It's just our tactic now is get the ball forward, cause some problems. And that's exactly what happened. We let Swansea have the ball and we dealt with it. But I've, I've never been so nervous going into a game because... Um, Neither team have ever done the double, and it and it's just all was coming up on Twitter. All we was we're gonna we're gonna lose the double to Swansea, and I've just never been so nervous. So I'm glad it's all over with now. To be honest with you,
0: yeah, it's remarkable that neither side has done the double in this derby. Uh, Swansea, Tom, me and you had a chat on your channel before the game and said it was going to be low scoring. It was exactly that, and quite a tight game, really, wasn't it? Where do you think it went wrong for Swansea?
1: Um. I I th- said, I think we knew about Cardiff's uh, long throw dangers, just the same as us with Connor Roberts. Um, and that is ultimately, you know, what we fell to in the end. Yeah, long throw into the box, did sort of dealt with the first ball, a decent save from Freddie Woodman, but it was a perfect, perfect height for a, a player to be running on to head of that into the back of the net and fair play to uh, to Flint. Um as far as the game, yeah, dominated possession, 75%. Um, dominated the chances. Spe- that second half was a great display, and um, I don't think any player can really be disappointed with the the performance and the effort in the second half. We just could not get that ball in the back of the net, um, and Cardiff did what they've done to many teams this season and what Swansea have done to many teams this season. Take an early goal or get a goal in the first half, be happy to sit back a little bit, but you know try and take a few chances um, and see out the game one nil.
0: Aidan Flick got the winner, and he's had an interesting few years in his career. But it's amazing, Cardiff, Tom, how he's gone from someone who was frozen out at Cardiff to being a regular starter and scoring the winner against your biggest rivals.
3: Yeah, I didn't think I'd see him in a Cardiff shit again when we sent him out on loan. Um, I thought that was him done with us because he'd, been, he'd admitted himself he'd been poor. He was very poor when he was at Borough as well. Um and it seemed like his best years were behind him, but he's thriving for us now because we're playing with the five at the back. It kind of gives him that bit of flexibility that he can he can make a mistake and someone's there to pick up the pieces. Like we're not relying on we were a bit susceptible because of his lack of pace before when we were playing with two in two at the back. But um yeah, he's just come into his own and now he's got we, we were saying on our podcast that he was do a goal, but no better game to get it than against Swansea, to be honest. So yeah, it's great to see him have this resurgence in form.
0: Yeah, definitely. Morgan Whitaker made his first start for Swansea and had a couple of good chances. He's someone you know, Justin, because obviously he moved there from Derby in January. With Swansea struggles going forwards recently, would you like to see more of him?
2: It's an interesting one because obviously he doesn't—he's not scored regularly at, um, at first-team level. But in a in a front two with someone with the experience of Andre Ayew he's going to fare very well. He's very good at linking up in and around the box. I think we saw a couple of chances against Bournemouth in midweek where he, he was able to do that. Same again, really. I think he had a good chance at the end of the game or towards the end of the game where, again, it was from a shot. But he is dangerous. He's got a very good left foot. and I think Rooney will probably admit in a, in a couple of years' time that it was a mistake to sell him because he's, he's a good player. He's one for the future. But getting goals out of him in the short term and relying on him is probably a bit unfair. But given that Jamal Lowe's drawn quite a few blanks you've got to utilise a squad available to you
0: well Swansea Tom with Watford winning this was undeniably a damaging loss to your chances going up automatically six points behind now but you have got a game in hand are you still hopeful of finishing in the top two?
1: Um, We still have them to play as well. Um, And I believe it's last game of the season. Um, So it could all come down to that. Unfortunately, they've got, I think, 13 goals better off than us, as far as goal difference is concerned. So with them to play the game in hand, the six points to make up are there. Um, But we just don't have the firepower that they do. But it's the championship. Um, We saw what happened, what we did coming out of international break last season with nine games to go, uh, nine international break coming back to the restart, sorry. Uh, with nine games to go, we went on a, a, a perfect sort of run, changed the formation a little bit to the the three at the back, the, the wing backs, and it, it completely transformed our season. Um, and obviously we pipped Forrest into the playoffs on the last day. So I am always confident we, we never, ever do things the easy way. Um, and that is that is probably the Swansea way, because the football Swansea way is out, out gone out the window. Um, the Swansea way is do things the hard way, do things last minute. And, um, so I'm. I always hold on to a tether. It doesn't matter how thin it is. Um, I always hold on to it. So I'm. I'm fairly confident. You know, as long as there's only a few players that are going away international duty. As long as people come back healthy and fit. It's a long season. It's still nine games to go. Plenty of points available. Um, I think. I think it'll come down to the last game.
0: Cardiff have seemingly taken the foot off the accelerator in the past few weeks, Cardiff Tom. But are you hoping this result gets things back on track?
3: Yeah, I, I I'd hope so because yeah, we've we just look shattered at the moment. Um, Keith Fowmold being the main example, like we've absolutely run him into the ground, and now he's gone away for international duty. And Wales will probably do exactly the same because he's he's become a main focal point for Wales as well. But I think yeah, it's a massive massive win for us, not just because it's a derby, but uh, halt that momentum of bad results. And this break couldn't come at a better time. To be honest, it gives Mick a bit of time to kind of work with the players as well, because he hasn't had a lot of that. He's come in, he's come in and there's just been game after game after game. So yeah, I think it's come at the right time for us and hopefully for a playoff push because our run in is half decent. Our last three games of the season are against relegation threatened sides. So if we're in the mix with three games to go, I really fancy us to finish in the top six. So yes, it's a positive, it's positive on the club now and we wouldn't have been saying that three months ago, so... We thought our season was over, so anything's a bonus at the moment. And yeah, I'm I'm excited by it now, really excited by it. Cardiff top six, Justin?
2: Hearing that Cardiff don't break it down like that, it's hard not to fancy them. And we don't know how Barnsley are going to respond after the international break. And same with Bournemouth and even Reading. Um, It's just keeping Kiefer fit. Harry Wilson obviously obviously going away as well. He's He's a main creative threat. It's going to be intriguing and obviously as a, as a neutral, very interesting. But I think if, if Mick McCarthy can get some momentum again, absolutely. Because as we've seen, they're a very
1: hard team to stop once they get going.
0: Absolutely. Just before we move on, has anyone seen the picture of Sean Morrison's ankle? After the game, yeah, I saw you
1: retweeted just now. I, I, I think a few comments. I was expecting far worse. Like I know he didn't. I know he didn't break anything.
0: All right.
1: Come on. It, no, it's not. I mean, it, it is. You know, if you're just having your dinner, it's not what you want to see. I get it, but yeah, fair play to him. But he needs, he needs boots that fit. him.
0: Yeah, that that, that is a, an important point. If you're going to if you're going to have blisters, then just make sure you got boots that fit, your lad. Um, it is horrific for anyone who's not seen it. Absolutely revolting. It's a, that is one it's hell of a, a blister, blister. <laughs> you, you, there's blisters and then there's blisters it's like half his no. ankles
1: missing you, you um, just really don't want any any rugby fans seeing the post <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: anyway I don't encourage anyone to see it but if you do want to see it it's on the second tier Twitter both Toms thank you for now we'll come back to you both a bit later on to play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight shall we go on a trip around the grounds Justin? let's go Yeah, go on then. Let's start off with a massive game at Vicarage Road between Watford and Birmingham. That finished 3-0 to the Hornets as they continue to push for automatic promotion. Birmingham, on the other hand, well, they're in a bit of trouble, aren't they? Joining us now from Birmingham Fan TV is James Jenkinson. And your boys got a bit of a thumping here, didn't they, James?
4: yeah i think i think if i'm being absolutely honest you know i think i'll echo um lebo's after match thoughts from yesterday and saying that you know while we didn't deserve to win or probably get anything i don't think the game was a 3-0 either um i think the, the difference was that watford just have the quality uh, and we and we don't at the minute in front of goal i think it's just a case of the difference in between the two boxes uh, was minimal, but the difference in the boxes was was there for all to see. Um, we played really well, um, and if somebody would have said to me going into the last two games from Boya's first two games, you can get you know three points, I would have snapped your hand off. So, yeah, a disappointing result, but the performance was certainly pleasing.
0: Fair enough. Uh, earlier in the week, Aitor Karanka was sacked, and Lee Boya's come in as his replacement. What have you made of the whole managerial change?
4: Yeah, I think, I mean, my, me and yourself spoke um, probably pre-Christmas, I think it was, about I talk or anchor and things weren't going great then. Um, but it's been a consistent, you know, plummet since then as well and, and I did say to you we should stick with him unless we drop into the bottom three or are in serious danger of going down and it did get to that point where, you know, we did drop into the bottom three and we are still in very real danger of going down. Um, so it was time for change, I think the change probably should have come earlier, so I echo what Justin has said on previous podcasts Um, it's probably come at least six weeks too late and I think that the appointment of Bowie was a clever one, the the, the fans needed someone to, um, to, to resonate with, someone that they could really get behind and he's a man that they can, you know, obviously with his past playing experience with Blues winning the Cup, such a good finish in the Premier League and just a a real fan's favorite, you know he's someone that they can get behind, and he plays football on the front foot. He doesn't want to just go and sit in and and play for nil nils. you know he wants to go and then give it hundred percent you know, and if we fail trying then then so be it. So I think that it was a clever appointment.
0: And finally, James, the game was somewhat overshadowed yesterday by a plane and a banner which had the message Dong out in reference to the club CEO Dong Wren. And we've spoken about this before. Tell us why Birmingham fans are so irritated at the way Dong Ren is running the club.
4: It's kind of divided opinions, you know, why. You know, should, should fans have flown the banner over? Should they have not? You know, some call it pretty embarrassing some don't i think i think the point is that something needs to be done now we can't go and protest because that is a breach of obviously covid at the minute so there's not much we can do in terms of that otherwise i think that would be the best port of call Um, but dong ren is the main root of what is wrong with birmingham city at the minute everything else around it be managers the players the finances all of that are just symptoms of what he causes he make so many poor decisions constantly you know Whether it be manager sacking's manager appointments um financially you know the club um is constantly fighting an uphill battle with ffp um and as has been proven before you know many a club club staff that have been there 25 years have left because of dong ren you know the club secretary only two weeks ago has, has resigned because of him um the club doesn't own the ground anymore um you could go on the list could go on I could speak to you for hours but but Huang Don Ren is not fit for purpose shouldn't be employed by the owners to run this football club and it's gone on for too long you know he should have been sacked three years ago when he when Steve Cultural failed but for some reason he's still here because they simply don't know who else to appoint
0: thank you James yeah Justin we'll talk about the football in just a sec but I'm just interested to know what did you think of the banner I mean We've spoken plenty about Dong and the way he runs things at the club. But if I could play devil's advocate for a second, is this really the right time for this kind of protest to happen?
2: Mm, When you're fighting a relegation battle, probably not. But then again, I don't think... I think if they get relegated and Dong was to leave, I think there's a bit of a tonic there for Blues fans. Um, But then again, they've got the potential to be a playoff team. They're they're a team that's big enough. Um, They seem like they have the financial power to do it so going down just seems uh, you know a a daft thing for them to to go through but it it was very awkward and i knew there was something happening because it was so annoying watching the tv and there's this low-lying airplane hum in the background and i couldn't concentrate on the game i was like what is that and finally they pan to it and then you just see dong's face just looking up and it's like, it's really it's awkward. so, <laughs> so awkward. So
0: awkward. When he's looking up and staring at it and you just think, oh no, he's looking straight at
2: it. Because
0: <laughs> these things have happened before, haven't they? And mm. The person who it's aimed at has just not been looking, but he's looking directly at it. Going on to the football then, this was a game which really showed Lee Bowyer how much of a job he's got in his hands, didn't it?
2: Absolutely. Uh, one thing I noticed in this game as well is the demand marking from Birmingham City at, at set pieces. It's, has to be the worst in the league. I know they've not conceded the most from set pieces, but the man marking was just awful. There was a, obviously um, they they scored from a corner with Shaliba. Watford did, but there was a chance in the first half with Messina, where Djukovic let his let his well he didn't let his man go. He collided with a, I think it was Pedersen. Um, there's no right or wrong way of marking, but considering they have conceded twelve from set pieces, which is in the top five in the league what they're doing isn't working and they're defensively they're not good enough to man mark which is which was very evident yesterday um and their downfall this season has been individual individuals making errors and marking marking at set pieces contributes to that so you get that right a lot of goals they concede go away this season
0: yeah, I don't, I don't think they were too bad going forwards they in this right. game, in fairness. Yeah, they were perhaps unlucky to have not scored at least one, but you are right, they were so poor defensively, and that's been something that's been a common theme throughout the season. Watford could and probably should have won this by more. Three points above the bottom three of Birmingham, but Rotherham have four games in hand. It's also worth pointing out there are four teams who are only within four points above Birmingham, so I guess until Rotherham are back level on games played then that's the aim, isn't it, to try and get above those other sides?
2: Definitely, and the the worrying thing for the likes of Derby, Coventry and Birmingham City is Rotherham didn't look like a team this weekend who were absolutely battered in midweek. They played with a, a lot of swagger, so I think for them it's a real concern. Lee Bowie has got a job on his hands in getting these individuals up to scratch because what we've seen over the past couple of years is managers go... The players have stayed the same. One of my irks is Harley Dean. The, the first goal conceded by Birmingham City was negligent from, from him. And he's got the, the, the absolute nonchalance to shrug his shoulders, taking the piss out of Cranker in midweek But he's one of the issues with this defence. It's, it's laughable, really.
0: It is quite laughable when you put it like that. A simple three points in the end for Watford. But with Brentford and Swansea dropping points,
2: this is a massive, massive win. It's a good weekend, isn't it? It's is such a good weekend. The, the I know, Bir, I know. We said Birmingham; they probably should have gone into halftime level. They, as we said, we look they look good going forwards at times in the first half, and they were unfortunate. But Watford in the second half, especially, we've seen Watford drop off fairly often in the second half of games. We saw it against Forest. We've seen it against Derby, um, uh, Coventry as well when they drew 0 nil. But they they took it up another gear and they brought players in who took the, to the game to another level as well Zinchenko being out was a bit of a concern for me but they looked as dangerous going forward and creative going forward as they have done all season really and Andre Gray coming on and getting his goal as well is, is a massive plus because he's a player who has that confidence he's got a couple of goals in in, in between that sort of dry spell uh, and now and obviously the, the way they took the goal the, the pressing and the, the nicking of the ball was, was top work from, from Watford and it was a really good performance
0: yeah, K Watford FC on Twitter said Watford are flying. Jack on Instagram said they were class. Nathaniel Chalobah scored again. He's gone from scoring one league goal since 2015 to scoring two in three games. So well done to you, Nathaniel. Watford also managed to win without Ismail Assar, which makes it all the more impressive, really. Now, Justin, Watford are undoubtedly the favourites at, at this very moment in time to go up alongside Norwich. There's been a lot of talk on Twitter about the second-tier curse and whether we're going to say it looks like Watford are going up for them to then follow it up with a terrible run of form. Ignoring that for a sec, are Watford going up?
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I don't want to advocate Watford fans turning off at this point, but (laughs) maybe you should. I can't see it not happening. For me, it's without a shadow of a doubt, but it comes with a pinch of salt, doesn't it?
0: Well, there you go. Sorry, Watford fans. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry in advance, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let's get back to talking about the relegation battle because it's been made all the more interesting by Rotherham winning 2-0 away at Bristol City. Now, as previously mentioned, Rotherham have four games in hand on most of the teams around them. Now, we touched on this not long ago because while games in hand are usually a good thing for Rotherham, it means, unlike all the other sides, they've got two games a week for the rest of the season. And even with that, they've still got another game that they've got to try and fit in somewhere and they still haven't figured out where it's going to go. More on that in a sec because joining us now is Matt Lax from the Rotherham United podcast Matt, you must be delighted with this win.
5: Yeah, absolutely, especially considering the circumstance of uh, what a second game back from a Covid outbreak you could tell not all the players were 100%. That became very clear in the last 10-15 minutes who was who was struggling, who hadn't had uh, sort of struggled with Covid Um. Yeah, incredible. Um, Bristol City were poor, to be fair. It, w- it was a game that there was there for the take, and I assume Bristol City must play better than that normally, because yesterday they were really, really poor. Um, and we took advantage of it. A couple of decent goals, although first one's a keeper mistake. I think one might be their own goal. Um, but we put the pressure on them in the right areas, in the right times. Um, and yeah, lasted, under the circumstances, couldn't be more proud of the players to come away with a win, uh, away from home. Um, it was. It's a really, really, really good sign that we're picking up these wins at times, which are difficult for us.
0: Yeah, and with results elsewhere going your way, in the grand scheme of things, this is a massive result in terms of you staying up this season. Uh, how are you feeling about the relegation battle?
5: You've got to be pretty confident. Uh, what we what we mentioned on our podcast is if, if we played the same amount of games as everybody else, we'd still be in an okay position with three points of safety. Uh, now we've got four games down to Birmingham. I think it's three to Coventry and either four to Derby or something like that. Um, it's it's really good. We're, we're in a really good position. Um, the, the issue is when we start, when we go back after the international break, it's Saturday, Tuesday, every single week. And then one week, it's going to be four games in one week. So it's how we deal with those um, wins. We always, we always, certainly on our podcast, we always go by the 50-point magic, magic 50-point mark. We're fifteen points off that, so what were five wins off that or four wins and three draws off hitting that target. Um I suppose that will that be enough this year, I don't know. Um I don't think there's necessarily any threat from below. I think from so, the Wickham are gone, probably from Wednesday are gone. Like, can we keep up with Birmingham? Uh, can we keep up with can we drag anybody else into it? Um there's certainly reasons to be positive being a running United fan at the minute, I, I think.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the fixture schedule there. It's not a very big squad at Rotherham. Are you worried that fatigue could become an issue as we head towards the final games of the season?
5: That's the key thing for the rest of the season. If we have, if we keep a fully fit squad for the rest of the season, I think we stay up quite comfortably. Uh, if our starting 11 plus our best nine, nine players are on the bench, I, I think we definitely do have enough to stay up in this league. The question is, do, is that going to be the case? One of the positives of the international break, and I mean, so many games delayed, is that we have around three or four players back due, uh, either, on, probably on the bench after the international break, but certainly back in the squad, Jamie Lindsay, Georg Benny, Joe Matic and Clark Robertson are all scheduled to be back uh, sometime in the next 10 days or so. So they'll be back in, in contention, which is massive. To, they have, some of them are absolutely huge players, especially Jamie Lindsay. Um... Yeah, it's going to be difficult, you know, I, 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 I don't remember running like this for anybody in any, in any of the professional leagues, ever, um, but, you know, let's get on with it, let's try and do it, get his head down, try his best, and do what Rotherham's doing, go against the odds.
0: Thank you, Matt, wow, well, he's very confident that Rotherham will stay up this season, Justin, are you as confident as Matt?
2: In midweek, I wasn't. Uh, I I, I I saw a team that looked beaten up and tired and unprepared and that's what they were. Um, they were unprepared for the Watford game. But I think if Paul Warren's quite clever, there will be games where they'll be lucky to get a point. You know, They've got Brentford. You know, there'll they'll be teams in the top half in form that they'll struggle against. But teams like Bristol City um, and any other sides in that region that they come up against in the next few, few weeks, they're going to go for them. They're going to go for the juggler and they did against Bristol City. And looking at this performance i perhaps not as confident as Matt, but I'm on the same wavelength.
0: Yeah, yeah. well they've been fairly good going forwards all season, but fairly good defensively, haven't they? Um, it just depends how they deal with those games in hand and whether it's going to have an impact on them. Um, who knows how that's going to pan out. I can't believe they've not figured out when that Coventry game is going to be played yet. From the looks of things, it's going to have to be on a Thursday, but... I don't think that's particularly fair on Coventry. I mean, it's not exactly Rotherham's fault either, but it's just a big old mess, Justin. Going back to the win, it was a very tight game, wasn't it?
2: I don't think it was that tight. I thought Rotherham was as convincing as they, they could have been. I think Bristol City barely had any chances. Um, they, uh, As I mentioned, Rotherham are very productive going forward, very disciplined at the back. They created chances from set pieces and did a great job of setting traps in and around the pitch and winning the ball from Bristol City. I thought it was a really poor performance from from the Robins, actually. Um, So I don't think it was as tight. I think it was as convincing as it could have been. And as soon as you go 1-0 up against Bristol Bristol City, it's very rare they they get back into the game.
0: Yeah, you're, you're right, actually. Dan Bentley won't want to see those two goals again. He's made a couple of mistakes recently after being, without a doubt, Bristol City's best player this season. But I think it kind of sums him up, really. Fantastic shot stopper, but he is prone to a clangor.
2: Now, the the first one I have a, a, an issue with, like Michael Smith shouldn't get that far unmarked. There should be a defender blocking his run or making it harder for him. Because whether wherever, he's, wherever Dan Band is keepers and he's coming for it, then that's another that's another issue. But for me, even if he does, defenders got to block the run and make it harder for him because. Michael Smith's favourite for that ball all day and the same with the second one the second one probably is Dan Bentley's fault because he doesn't need to come for it essentially it's in you know, a big crowd of players he's not going to get there he's not He's not the biggest keeper either so I'm surprised he went for it
0: well he didn't need to come for either of them I, mean, I don't know what he was thinking but to do the same mistake twice is a bit mm. quite annoying from a Bristol City perspective <laughs> Noobs on Twitter said it was deflating Ben on Instagram says it was typical Bristol City Daisy also on Instagram said it was traumatising Which seems a bit strong. Um, (laughs) I love how Bristol City fans are so dramatic. (laughs) What what did someone say the other day? Someone said it was apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's very dramatic. I love it. Um, Six straight home losses for Bristol City. They've lost more matches at Ashton Gate in the last two months than they have all season. Mm. Which is a curious little thing but uh yeah not not going that well under Nigel Pearson they've managed to avoid any fears of relegation but things aren't looking too rosy really are they sticking with the relegation battle Derby aren't out of it are they they lost 1-0 to Stoke joining us now from the second tier podcast is Justin Peach Justin hello
2: good afternoon listeners
0: focusing on the game (laughs) first of all this was by no means a classic was it
2: no, um, I won't lie. I didn't tune into it. I opted to watch Watford. Um, there's a lot of games this season where I, I'm starting to think I don't want to watch them. I'm sure a lot of supporters are going to fall in the same bracket because the last few weeks it's been. I I feel like we should be getting paid to watch, and that's an easy, that's such a gammon thing to say as a supporter, but it is a chore. It is a chore to watch Derby County at the moment.
0: Well, Wayne Rooney called the first half a testimonial game. I could not sum up this game any better myself. Both teams were poor, really. It wasn't until Stoke scored through Jacob Brown in the 74th minute that anything happened, and then Stoke had a couple of other chances after that. But Derby didn't have a shot on target in this game. And that sums them up this season. Did you know Derby have only conceded as many goals as Barnsley this season, Justin? They've only conceded one more than Reading. Two teams are in the playoffs And forgive me for stating the bleeding obvious, but when a team is that good defensively and they're in the relegation battle, then they must be pretty terrible going forwards. And that's exactly what Derby are. They've got 27 goals this season. Only two teams have managed to score fewer after 38 games in a championship season. Ever. And they've got no creativity in midfield. Colin Casim Richards has surprised us all this season up front, but is he really that good? And then the wingers, Martin Waghorn's having an absolute stink of a season and I have no idea how Camel Josriak cost four million pounds. It's it's just dreadful, Justin.
2: <laughs> it is. Um to, to Colin Casimir's defence he was injured. He shouldn't have played. For whatever reason, Rooney had a bit of an issue with Waghorn's training um in midweek or on Friday, he said it was unacceptable. Again, more strange things coming out of the camp after what he said about Sibley last week. Um yeah, Rooney's style is to stop opposition playing at the moment. He needs to adapt his style. Well, he's adapting his playing style to the opposition and it simply isn't working. I think Morris not putting his foot down in January as well could cost Derby in not replacing Bielik um, because that is the main that is the main factor in Derby dropping off. They've only collected 12 points since his injury, which is relegation form, to be to be blunt.
0: Yeah, it is relegation form. They're now, well, well they haven't won in quite some time now. I haven't got it in front of me, but... It's a long time. They're really struggling. They're really struggling. And when you're at this part of the season where it is the business end of the season now, it's very, very concerning, especially with... Rotherham and Wednesday picking up points all of a sudden. Uh, For Stoke this was by no means a dazzling performance was it but a win's a win?
2: It is um, they weren't better going forward they kept they they created some clearer openings not necessarily not necessarily shots but some clearer openings they were very strong defensively which is a a huge positive for them in keeping clean sheets not difficult to do against a derby side but if you keep them at arm's length, if you keep a derby county at arm's length for a long period of a game, you there's an opportunity you'll win. You'll get a chance, just take it. Um but yeah, they attacked and created openings down the right, which has been a problem area for Derby. It's it's an ideal step forward for Stoke, but nothing nothing gargantuan, but you're going into an international break with three points in a clean sheet, you can't complain.
0: No, you can't. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll finish off talking about the relegation battle and then talk about the race for the playoffs. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from classicfootballshirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that, of course, includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. Coventry and Wickham, they drew 0-0 in another game, which we won't be including in any end of season highlights. But what we can say is this is a massive Missed opportunity for Coventry, Justin.
2: That's the only way to look at it, really. It's it's a, it's a poor, poor result. It was a close game from both sides. Um, but for Coventry, with Birmingham City losing and Rotherham picking up points, getting three points was should have been the, the ultimate aim here and they fell short.
0: Yeah, we were saying in midweek, weren't we, that it seemed that Rotherham and Birmingham were the leading contenders for that final relegation place, assuming Wednesday and Wickham are down. Um, And then there was a big gap between Coventry and the rest of uh, the other teams. But that all seems to have suddenly closed up very Mm. quickly. And Coventry are now very much in the midst of that relegation battle, aren't they? And if Coventry are to stay up this season, then this is a game they've got to win. I thought Mark Robbins was very negative with his team selection, just playing one up front against bottom of the league and three at the back just doesn't make any sense to me particularly. It was almost as if he was happy with a draw. And I know a lot of Coventry fans have been saying the same thing. Um, they had a couple of decent chances, but either way, he just wasn't good enough, was it?
2: Yeah, you, you tend to look back on certain games in a season where... You, I think every supporter does it where you look back and think, we, we should have won that, we should have won that. This is a game that they they had to had to go out and get three points because Wickham do have chances, but as long as you... A fairly disciplined defence. You'll keep them out because they're quite direct. So, yeah, it is such a big opportunity for commentary, and it is a miss one. But the positive is they've kept a clean sheet. They go into the international break with a clean sheet. Yeah, sunny side up. Let's look at it that way.
0: Yeah, we're scraping the barrel a bit here. I suppose <laughs> another positive is that Birmingham and Derby both lost. Yeah, but even then. This was a great chance for the Sky Blues to move away from the relegation zone because they would have been a few points away from uh, Birmingham and the rest of the pack if they did manage to get the win here. There was a big shock in the South Yorkshire Derby between Barnsley and Wednesday. Barnsley unbeaten in 10, losing 2-1 to Wednesday, who had picked up one point in their last eight games, the Championship, ladies and gentlemen. But I tell you what, I was very impressed with Wednesday.
2: You have to be. You have to be in. It, it was a disciplined performance from them. Uh, something that they've lacked. They they protect. They protected a the lead as well, which was which was massive. And I think it could it could potentially be a turning point. I've said it quite often in this episode alone, Load. But going into the international break with three points, when you're a side that have lacked so much, anything, lacked pretty much everything a football team needs. Um, you know, settled uh, boardroom. You know, fans being nice and relaxed. It's, and the team being okay. Wednesday haven't had that at all for the last 18 months. So there's, a, there's an air of positivity now, I think, going in. And obviously Jordan Rhodes as well, is a man in form. He's got four goal involvements in three games. I always get a fuzzy feeling when he scores because he's such a, a happy-looking player when he plays. Um So when he scores, you know, I feel it. I feel it in my, in my heart that, you know, it's like I'm trying to like. We just, it we just
0: want him to be back to the Jordan Rhodes we all know and love, and we yeah. haven't seen it for quite a while, Alfred. But this takes him up to six goals this season, his joint best goal scoring season since twenty fifteen sixteen, and he should have had a hat trick as well because he yeah. was pretty much an open goal. Uh, Stuart, who's a Wednesday fan on Twitter, said he was shocked at the uh, at the results. What we're we saying about Wednesday's chances of staying up, then, Justin? It's uh, looking a bit more rosy, but it's still a long way to go into.
2: It's so hard to rule the likes of Wednesday and Rotherham out. Um, okay, there's a points gap, but if they pick up a run of form, because it, it's very blunt, but I don't, I just cannot see Birmingham City improving and I can't see Derby improving either. The, the one thing those two teams lack is goals. Wednesday, they lack goals, but if they've got a striker in form and they're starting to create more into Darren Moore, who's an attack-minded coach, it can, it can swing things. It absolutely can swing things. So it's a case of just watch this space. If they pick up a couple of results, after the international break, you know, buckle down, guys, because it is going to be an interesting last seven or eight games. It's
0: going to be a bumpy old ride. I think it'll still be a miracle if they do stay up. Yeah. They've got two tough games after the international break in Cardiff and Watford, and I feel like they've got to get something from those two games if they want to have any chance of staying up. Hopefully, this result gives them a bit of confidence because I think that's what they've desperately been lacking recently. Just any belief that they can get a result. Obviously, for Barnsley, this is a shocking result. Remains to be seen if it will have much of an effect on their playoff push because they're still looking quite comfortable. Uh, When Barnsley pulled a goal back, it was brilliant to see the camera pan round to four lads (laughs) on two of those cherry-picker machines cheering on Barnsley. Um, Not sure that's going to go down well with their employers but i'm all for it. <laughs> Brentford can only draw 1-0 with Forrest on Saturday lunchtime. Brentford superb in the first half, nowhere near as good in the second half. Again.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty damaging. Um they they dropped four points this week alone. 18 through the course of the season when they've been leading in games. Um and they they, they to make it worse they dropped points against teams in 18th and 19th. Um you're not automatic promotion material if you're doing that. Forest aren't very good going forward, neither are Derby. And they've let them both into the games. Um, probably the Derby one was probably worse because they were two ahead in that one. But they should have been home and hosed at half-time in this one, even in the first 10, 10 15 minutes of the second half. But as a Forest, as a forest, from a Forest perspective, you're looking at it, you, it's 1-0 at half-time, going into second half, you fancy it. You're going to fancy it and Brentford at the minute. They can't keep it out. They can't keep teams at bay.
0: Jake on Twitter said it was a disappointing performance. Cap Lover said he was miffed. Will on Instagram said it was disheartening, while Aussie on Instagram said they were crumbling. Brentford should have won this game. Some of the chances they missed were ridiculous and probably over the course of 90 minutes should have got at least four. Um, (laughs) Interestingly, they've scored one goal from open play. In the last four games now earlier in the season there was an issue where Ivan Tony was the only one scoring and the rest of the team were having chances, but their finishing was costing them, and it seems like that issue's come up again.
2: Mhm. Yeah, it's, I'm not saying they lack imagination because there's enough players in there to to do do something good at any time. Ben Ben Rama last season was the spark in attack. He's a player that they they look to 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 get them going in the final third. Watkins could pop up anywhere and get a goal Um, and Embuemo was on on form. In fact, Embuemo this season has disappointed me but I thought his first half performance against Derby and Forest were both very good but second half he he fizzled out. I don't know whether it's fatigue or what but there'll be a lot of players in the same position but as you say, creatively um, and incisiveness and, and just all-round effectiveness and aggressiveness in front of goal isn't there for Brentford at the moment.
0: I don't think creativity is particularly an issue because they had massive chances in this game. It was just putting them away. Guard, and Boomer, Jan Elts, they all missed massive, massive chances that they should have scored. And that's that's ultimately my point, that Mm. the finishing from the other players just isn't up to scratch for some reason this season. Um, It's worth pointing out there was a foul in the build-up to the Forest Mm. goal. Not sure how that wasn't given but Brentford fans will be very annoyed if we didn't give that at least a mention Justin. But yeah, two sloppy results for Brentford this week. Where does that leave them in the promotion race with nine games to go?
2: Leaves them fourth with 68 points, Ryan.
0: Thanks Justin. Yeah, great. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you were going to give a stupid <laughs> answer there. <laughs> well, Chris Hughton would have taken anything from this game and that's what he's got but of course they're still not safe but the grit and determination that the players showed here was encouraging
2: it was um, a a partnership I particularly like and it's one that I hope to see next season a lot and this is coming from Derby as well um, is James Garner and Cafu I think those two in the middle of the park are a very very good partnership and one that I think can prove to be very effective in the next well the next how many games we've got left nine games left eight games left Um, they're, they're, they're a duo that need to start every game up until the end of the season. Um, I like Ryan Yates, but I just don't think he's got the creative or control in his passing or discipline in his passing that these two have, because these two make such a difference to Forrest when they play.
0: Yeah, James Garner was the man I highlighted as well. He's been been good for Forrest since he's come in on loan for Man United, hasn't he? And Forrest need to make sure they get him back on loan next season in fact that needs to be an absolute priority um, in fact if I, if I was Chris Hughton, I'd be on the phone right now begging Man United <laughs> to extend that deal he's still a young lad and he's had a couple of games but he's shown enough for me that assuming Forrest still are in the championship next season he could be a star at this level and despite him being young he's got such a cool head yeah and is able to dictate games from midfield get him in next season and Forrest will be well on their way to having a much better campaign than this one. And then he could be at the centre of that. Reading drew 1-0 with QPR. This game was a great game. Both teams with loads of chances. And it's amazing, really, that it only finished 1-0. The biggest chance fell to Lucas Shaw, who essentially missed an open goal. And that was the golden chance for the Royals. I think a draw doesn't really help them, does it?
2: Not necessarily. No, I think you consider Bournemouth. Obviously, had the FA Cup this week, so they didn't play. Um, yeah, it's, it, it leaves them a point ahead of, of seventh. Barnsley obviously lost, which was it was a good opportunity for Reading to pick up three points. Um, and again, they've 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 missed out, and it's and it's coming down to individuals at key times that is letting them down. They shouldn't have to be relying on Yaku Mate to not bail him out, but he's he's managed to do it in the last couple of games now. Um, and Lucas Lukaszew, I, I love him to bits. You know, I do. You know, I speak very highly of him on this podcast. Um, but he, again, is—I'm not saying standards have dropped, but he's not as—he's not looking as deadly in front of goal as he as he was earlier on in the season. And that is a massive issue for Reading.
0: No, it, it definitely is. I mean, He's—he was incredibly clinical early in the season, but he's been poor now for. At least the past month or so. Um, They are only now three points ahead of Bournemouth, who have a game in hand and have got a better goal difference. And with Cardiff winning as well, you'd be concerned as a Reading fan, wouldn't you?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I wasn't ruling Cardiff out midweek, but obviously they picked up another win. It's all about momentum and Reading have stumbled this week. Um, Again... It's just you getting into the international break, just having a bit of a breather and then going again because it's, it's almost going to be a mini season for a lot of teams like Barnsley, um, Bournemouth and, and Reading. It's going to be very tight going into the last few, last few games.
0: And of course, they've only picked up two points from their last three games and they're three rather kind games as well. Three games that really they should be getting at least seven points from, you'd have thought. And they've got eight games left this season, five of them are against teams in the top eight. Five of them. I'd say right now, other teams are more likely to finish in the top six, just from the way things are looking at this very moment in time. For QPR, Ross on Instagram said it was disappointing, but shows how far they've come. A decent performance from QPR. It was very much a hark back to the days where they couldn't defend for Toffee, (laughs) um, but still pretty good going forward. Good to see Lyndon Dykes on the score sheet as well, because he's had a tough few months up front for Rangers. Uh, Norwich, they were denied a 10th win in a row after drawing 1-0 with Blackburn. They should have won, though, shouldn't they?
2: They should have, but I thought Blackburn played some of their best football um, for a long time, really. Um, So to give Blackburn some credit in this game, but you're looking at Norwich here and you're thinking with the the strikers that are in form, or the forwards uh, that are in form, I should say, you'd you'd bank them to, to get a couple of goals, get a few goals, but if they're not performing in front of goal if there's a bit of an issue for Norwich.
0: Mm. Puky had a couple of chances. Brendia had a good chance as well. Of course, Norwich are pretty much up now. There's no debating that. There was a bit of concern, though, for Ben Gibson, who went off injured, and it's feared he could be out for the rest of the season. Interesting to see how serious that one is, because they definitely don't want him to miss any of next season, do they, if they are in the Premier League next season. A good result for Blackburn, who seemed to be improving, as you say. Harvey Elliott got his 10th assist of the season. Gentle reminder, he's still only 17. Do you want to know what songs were in the charts when he was born, Justin?
2: No, because it would depress me a little bit.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. the Club by 50 Cent. Move Your Feet by Junior Senior. Spirit in the Sky by Gareth Gates. Oh, wow. It's it blows my mind that a child is playing regularly in the championship, let alone as the second most assists in the division. But he is—he is some player, isn't
2: he? He is. But to bring him down a peg, if you've got someone like Sam Gallagher who's ten foot tall, you're going to hit him with a free kick. You're going to hit him. You know, I want to see—I want to see assists from taking three players on and putting an incisive pass in. That's what I want to see. It's not good enough, Ryan.
0: I'm sure he's amongst the top players in the division for chances created this season. Probably is. I love how you're determined to bring down a 17-year-old a peg.
2: You've got to. You've got to, otherwise they get too cocky, too young, and then that's it.
0: Well, I mean, we all know he's a very confident guy. I think we can all agree on that, but... You want him to be confident, don't you because if he wasn't, then he wouldn't be getting 10 assists uh, in the True. championship this season. Uh, Middlesbrough lost 1-0 to Millwall after a Grant hall own goal. Can't say this was a thriller, particularly. Millwall defended well and Borough really struggled to create too much. It's also a result which leaves a big old dint in Borough's playoff hopes, which, albeit, were slim anyway, Justin.
2: They were slim and this probably puts the, uh, the nail in the coffin for it. Um... It's not a bad. It's not a bad thing for Borough. It's it's that it's the case. It's always a case for, especially from a supporter's perspective, that if there's a little bit of hope. You get angry that it's not happening for you, and I can see why. But and we've said as well this season that if Borough had forwards that can put away chances, without doubt they'd be a top six team because there are games that have been close like this one that they've. Not got three points, or not picked up a point in that they could have because they've missed key chances. And Warnock was very angry at the uh, the forwards that played yesterday, and rightly so. Millwall, for example, I mean, he praised. It's not the the first time he's praised opposition forwards, which is a bit strange.
0: He's making a point, isn't he? We all know, Uh, yeah, a
2: very obvious point.
0: We all know what he's like. Um, But yeah, I I can see what you mean. I think I mean they're still only six points off. The top six so it's still not completely out of the question but you'd you'd have to say because they've not been particularly consistent all season have they that it would be a massive massive shock if Middlesbrough were to finish in the top six this season and scoring goals has been the big issue but for them to finish in the top ten this season considering how bad they were last season, how thin their squad was at the start of this season it's a bloody good achievement really isn't it
2: Probably one of the one of the more under-the-radar big achievements this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at Barnsley and think, wow, even Reading as well. Um, but the fact that Borough, that Warnock's pretty much had the pretty much same squad as Woodgate last season. There's not been too much difference in Duncan Watmore has come in. He's just played a system that's worked for him. And for them to finish in the top half is, 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 a, big, is a massive achievement because they were really crap last season. They were terrible. Oh,
0: really? oh yeah, definitely. And now... This gives them something to build on for next season, and the future looks fairly bright. Especially if they better. manage to keep hold. Yeah, if they manage to keep hold of the likes of McNair and Fry, then next season they can go again and be even better. Uh, final game: Preston lost one nil to Luton, and once again the pressure is turned up on Alex Neil. They have been very, very poor recently, Justin, and this was another game that they deserve to lose.
2: Yeah, Luton were by far the better team. They worked harder. They created better chances. Um, they were defensively more organised with with Preston. The issue has been for them is conceding chances through individual areas. They did that again. Um, so, yeah, it's it's it, I mean, I, I'm a, I am an Alex Neal fan. I do like him, um, but it, it gets to a point where they've regressed so far now that your position's almost untenable, which is a shame because, as I say, I, I think him and Preston are a good match and... I'd, I'd almost think it'd be a mistake to sack him.
0: Alex Neal admitted his side haven't been good enough for the past few weeks. And I look at the table, Justin. They're only six points above Birmingham. Not yeah. that far. So, it's... I mean, they'd have to lose just about every game for the rest of the season. But they have only got one point from their last five games. So, what what are we saying?
2: It's... it's going to be an uncomfortable probably three games after the international break the three games interna- after the international break are going to be massive pressing if that's when we'll sort to know what team they're going to be over the next over the last sort of stretch of the games because if they lose the next three games for example they're going to get sucked into it
0: if they get sucked into a relegation battle that will be it'll be a monstrosity of a season quite frankly justin it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news, and a bit of a disclaimer: we're re-recording this bit because after we finished recording, Alex Neal was sacked as Preston manager. So, we'll give you our thoughts on that now. The bit where we were just talking about the Luton and Preston game from Saturday is probably a bit irrelevant now, but there you go; these things happen. So, yeah, Justin, the news: that Alex Neal has been sacked. What did you make? Or what do you make of that? Because it's not too surprising, really, is it? Because they've been dreadful recently.
2: If you put it down to results, yes, performances, yes, it isn't it isn't a surprise. I, I've, I've previously said I like Alex Neil a lot. I think there's a good manager in him. I think whether or not it, there's a little bit of exhaustion there with the job, um, things not quite going his way. It seems like they've only got to a point now where they've started to invest, obviously, in a January transfer window because they had to. But let's put it into perspective a little bit. They've lost Ben Davis, the captain. They've lost Ben Pearson, who was the linchpin of the midfield. Um, it's it, it's a bit tough on him, I think. I, I think it is it is hard on him. I, I I like him a lot. I think he's a good manager. I, I was sort of banking on him going to Bournemouth. So, yeah, I, I'm a bit disappointed they've decided to pull the plug. But it might be the best thing for, for all parties.
0: Well, the form has been bad, hasn't it? Particularly recently, but only three wins in 2021. That is... That is heading towards relegation form, quite frankly, isn't it? So it's not too surprising in that aspect. But I don't think he's particularly to blame because the squad has lacked investment now for years. Years and years. And it's not getting any better anytime soon. As you mentioned, they got rid of two key players in Pearson and Davies in the most recent window. Um, And they brought in a few players, but that was long overdue, getting in any new talent. And while the rest of the championship is getting better and better, Preston are kind of just, I don't know, they're kind of just floating there, aren't they? Just not really doing anything. And a season like this was going to happen if you don't invest in the squad. So I don't think Alex Neal is to blame here. I feel like a new manager, whoever does come in, is going to have their hands full in actually taking Preston to the next level because they have regressed and they're only going to keep regressing until someone upstairs starts getting their wallet out and buying new talents. And I, I can't see that happening, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it is difficult for, for them. They're not the, the biggest teams in terms of budgets, but there are times where you think... I mean, just looking at the signings that they've made, Ben Pearson, they, they've been quite smart with their recruitment in the past. The likes of Ben Pearson have come in, Daniel Johnson players that have been released at an early age from youth academies they've picked them up and they've developed them that hasn't happened for a while
0: but you'd say those are low risk signings wouldn't you you'd say they're low risk and then there's big reward if they do turn out to be good players like you could easily pick out I know the likes of Josh Harrop for example who have come in for pretty much nothing I think Harrop was actually a free it's just low risk and if they come off they come off if they don't they don't
2: Absolutely, but it's only low risk, high reward if you have them on long term contracts. And they've lost ben, ben Pearson for a fraction of what he was worth. They've they've lost, they will lose Daniel Johnson for a fraction of what he, he would be worth as well. I think he'll be released on a free transfer if they don't agree a new contract. So there's there's clearly a lack of structure behind the scenes, a lack of footballing structure behind the scenes, and they're not future proofing well enough. And we're seeing that with some of the signings they made. To be honest, so you-
0: you're saying similar to me that Alex Neal has been a bit hard done by?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with that notion. I've said it before, I think he's the best manager for the job at Preston. It's just not working out. It's not worked no. out.
0: No, not at all. Right, now let's go back to past Justin and Ryan, who will update us with the rest of this week's news. Yes, it's time for the news. And of course, the big news from the past week was Birmingham's managerial situation. Itor Karanka being replaced by Lee Bowyer, as per usual. We discussed this at length in Thursday's episode. You can get our thoughts on that there. Has Derby's takeover been complete, Justin? No. It hasn't, but things are changing again. In summary, the original takeover is not complete and now never will be because Derby gave the prospective new owners a deadline to get things done. And that's now passed. So after a year of negotiations, that takeover has been thrown in the bin. But hope is not lost, because Derby are now talking to other interested parties. Therefore, this running joke can continue, Justin.
2: It's going to continue for years, let's be honest. (laughs) I'm
0: guessing you're not too hopeful then of anything coming from this.
2: No, Mel Morris has been banking on someone who hasn't paid any bills for the last two years. What's going to happen next? Come on, let's be real here. Like let's be real I'm not gonna go on a rant because I've had too many about it, but a smart person will think this is never gonna get done. Neil
0: yeah, Warnock's been charged with improper conduct over his post match comments after Middlesbrough's defeat at Swansea. I mean the decisions yeah. on that day were a disgrace. I mean you disagreed, Justin, yeah, because you thought the referee was correct, but I think Warnock was well within his right to complain. Speaking of weird decisions, Barnsley captain Alex Marrott will avoid a three-match ban after his red card against Wickham was overturned. Not too sure about that one because he's yeah. both feet off the ground. All right, we'll, we'll accept it, I suppose. Ben Cabango has signed a new deal at Swansea until 2025. Good news because he's been fantastic for Swansea this season, hasn't he?
2: He absolutely has. And, you know, players like Joe Roden, Mike van der we've seen centre-halves come and go. We've seen Swansea's best players come and go. He's another one who I imagine will get interested parties in him within the next season because he's a player that's grown over the last 18 months. Well, over the last 12 months, actually. Um, So, yeah, big fan of it.
0: 18 of the 25-man England squad have played in the Football League at some point in their career. What do you think of that, Justin?
2: I think it's two thumbs up. It's... It's, I almost went on a, a little rant on Twitter midweek because um, Ferran and Soriano at City wants B teams in the football league. This is why B teams don't work. This is why you should loan your players out without putting astronomical costs to it. Because looking at those eighteen players, likes of Harry Kane, um, they've all, everybody, almost, every, almost everybody in that squad has done an apprenticeship at some point in the football league, and that is why the football league pyramid is so important. That's why it works for us as a country because. They get experience at, at lower league clubs and benefits them in the future.
0: You're absolutely right. The Football League is, I think, one of the most important parts of England's players' development because it means they get to play at a very high level for um, a club lower down in the Pyramid. Because the Championship, for me, is quite easily the best second tier in the whole world. Um and that's something that we need to make the most of when it comes to developing these players. When you've got the likes of, oh, I'm thinking Harvey Elliott, for example, he is managing to play first-team football at a very good level and it's going to help him massively in his development in the future and other countries won't be able to say they, they've got that available to them. So I think the fact that 18 of the 25-man England squad have played in the Football League just says a lot about how brilliant the Football League is,
2: yeah, but if they go out at the group stage, it doesn 't work clearly, so it depends on the success of this england side doesn 't it
0: <laughs> all i 'm saying justin is i 'm not one hundred percent confident in Gower Southgate um, <laughs> well that 's something i 'm sure we 'll talk about at some point when the season 's over um justin let 's do some polls. This is the part of the show where we give the listeners four questions on Twitter. ...for them to have their say and join in with the debate. So the first one is very interesting, Dustin. Which of these teams will finish in the playoffs this season? Bournemouth, Cardiff, Middlesbrough, Reading?
2: I... Oh, that's hard. I I will say Reading because I said them all season.
0: 35% said Bournemouth. 34% said Cardiff. 26% said Reading... 5% 5% said Middlesbrough. So there are still some optimistic Middlesbrough fans out there, but Bournemouth just edging it in that uh, in that poll. Um, this one's also very interesting. Who has been the best centre-back in the Championship this season? Ben Gibson, Mark Gurley, Sean Morrison, Francisco
2: Seralta. uh I'd say Sean Morrison, He's, uh, but then again, he had an iffy start. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know that one.
0: I'd have said Gohie, because I think gurry has been fantastic all season, but 43% said Seralta, 23% said Gohie, 18% said Morrison, 16% said Gibson. Other players who were mentioned, Dale Fry, uh, Suter, Dickey, all very good shouts in fairness to them. There's plenty of good options, but uh, yeah... Serralto was the one who came out on top which I suppose is fair because Watford have got the best defensive record in the championship this season and back in the 2003 2007 period which did you prefer FIFA or Pez? Pez, loved Pez. I loved Pez as well I think it was six I think it was whichever one had Kalina on the front yeah. fantastic game I always preferred it because it was more arcadey do you know what I mean
2: yeah and let's not forget you could play as penguins and dinosaurs as well
0: and that's all I've ever wanted in a football game—to play as penguins and dinosaurs. Um, but now games are all about being oh, as realistic as possible. It's just—it's not as good. It's not yeah. as good, Justin. Either way, sixty-six uh, percent said FIFA, thirty-four percent said Pets. Um, they are all liars. They're all liars. <laughs> right now, it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson. So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show. Tom Phillips from the Cardiff podcast, View from the Ninian, and Tom Morgan from the Swansea YouTube channel, Total Swans TV. Of course, the pair of you are arch rivals. Me and Justin had to stop you both from scrapping before the show. But are you willing to put your differences aside, Cardiff, Tom, so that you can conquer Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight?
3: Yes, definitely. It's an unlikely alliance, but, you know, hopefully a (laughs) successful one. It's international
0: duty now, right? right yeah. side? <laughs> we're all Wales, aren't we? <laughs> nice to hear. Someone i ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject and they've got to work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say, name the eight top scorers in the Championship and Cardiff Tom would say Ivan Tony, that's one down, and Swansea Tom would say Timu Puki, that's another down. But if Justin would say Sam Vokes, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, gents, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Of course, we've got two proud Welshmen on the show this week. And Justin, in your quarter Welsh, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I've been on that's Welsh.
0: There we go. So we've got two and a quarter Welshmen on the show <laughs> today. So, of course, I'm going to ask a question which is completely unrelated to Wales. In the current England squad, there are eight players who have played in the Championship since the 2018-19 season. Can you name me those eight players? So I'll say that again. In the current England squad, there are eight players who have played in the Championship since the 2018-19 season. We shall start off with you, Justin. Can you name me one of those players, please?
2: I've not seen the England squad. (laughs) This will be good.
0: That's that's not a good start.
2: Um, I think Sam Johnson has been called up. He
0: has. He has. And he was playing in goal for West Brom last season. Cardiff, Tom, you look so confused right now.
3: I just don't pay any attention to England, got to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this could be no. fun.
0: <laughs> N- name someone who do you think has been called up? Pope? Has he played in the Championship? Nick Pope has yeah. been called up to the England squad, but he hasn't played in the Championship in, since, <laughs> since 2018. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Oops. I... I, I did not take into account that you might not pay any attention at all to the England squad, so this is concerning um Swansea Tom, it's your guy
1: um very much like Tom um I don't really pay any attention to the English lineup oh, i yeah, I really died I have no idea I can't even i think everyone I know is Premier League players name any player i can't i don't i don't I've, I don't know anyone <laughs> so you out I'm out. Honestly, sorry, I have no idea.
0: So both Toms are out. Um, I thought you'd still get at least a couple. So it's all down to Justin. Justin, you are the last soldier standing. Can you name me the seven remaining players who have played in the championships since 2018-19 and have been in the England squad?
2: Uh, Dean Henson's been called up, hasn't he?
0: Yes, he was playing a goal for Sheffield United a couple of seasons ago. Can you go again?
2: Um... Oh, Christ, who else has been called up? Ollie Watkins.
0: Yep, he was playing for Brentford last season. Both Toms are now sighing, at having not realised that. Um, Tom Morgan's also making some weird signs, but I'm not <laughs> sure what he's trying to do. Uh, Justin, go again.
2: Um, we've got Calvin Phillips in there as well.
0: Yes, he was with Leeds last season. You've got four more to go, and you're going quite well here, <laughs> Justin. This could be simon grayson history where one person gets all of the answers go again
2: <laughs> this is horrific um i've not seen the squad size so it's so difficult tyro mings
0: yes he was playing for villa a couple of seasons ago <laughs> so you've got three left can you go again
2: uh, um i i don't know if Jude bellingham has been called up because dortmund wouldn't let him go
0: he has been called. Okay, up. thanks for that. So, <laughs> he was, of course, at Birmingham last season. Justin, this is, this is amazing. This could be sensational. You've got two left. Can you name the final two players? One of them you should get.
2: Yes, just come to me. It's Gareth Southgate's favourite child, isn't it? It's Mason Mount.
0: Yes, and of course, he was playing for Derby yeah. two seasons ago. Um, so, you have one left. Can you name the final player who has been called up.
2: He was on loan at Wigan. It's Rhys James.
0: It is Rhys James. Okay. He's only got a done it. Oh, <laughs> that Jesus is brilliant. amazing.
1: Great effort, mate.
0: Simon Grayson, hateful eight history has been made, ladies and gentlemen. Justin Peach, pulling all eight answers out of his bag. Yeah, round of applause.
2: Remarkable. That is amazing.
0: Justin, how do you feel after pulling that off?
2: Think I need to lie down. Need I a think you need to
0: lie down. That, that <laughs> was amazing, Cardiff Tom. Have you ever seen something so <laughs> glorious before in your life?
3: I'm, I'm just happy I've won again, and it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> it. It's a team game,
0: so I'm, cl- I'm taking it. <laughs> I'll
1: take I'll take the W with that one as well.
0: Yeah. Well, well done, boys. I say well done, boys. Yeah, I suppose it's a team game, really. But, Justin, uh, you look absolutely exhausted after that. We'll, uh, we'll let you have a lie down. This is just about it for us here on the second tier this week. Thank you for listening. Of course, it is the international break coming up. But we have got an episode on Thursday. We've got an interview. With a championship manager who was managing as recently in the championship as last season. So you'll find out about that on Thursday. He does not hold back as well. I urge everyone to listen to it. Apart from that, thank you to our guests on the show this week Cardiff Tom, also known as Tom Phillips from the Cardiff Podcast View from the Ninian. Thank you for your time today.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: And Swansea Tom, also known as Thomas Morgan, from the YouTube channel Total Swans TV. Thank you for your time today. Pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. No problem. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Tristan Peach. Thank you for listening.